This is Tush. And I welcome you to Tushalicious Talk, an Oklahoma City podcast for titillating women, tantalizing conversation. And I thank you in advance for allowing me to be your one-stop shop advocacy connection. Hey, 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 this is Jackie again, um, coming from the League of Women Voters of Oklahoma County Facebook page live. I know we've been down a couple of episodes, but we have it back and going up and running again. And I have today, we're going to focus on um, community events um, or community organizations within Oklahoma too. Um, that I feel like are very dear to me. We have Taz here from Oklahoma Policy Institute, and we have Leah Morgan and Jennifer Beal, who are from Impact Oklahoma. And I would love for all three of you to introduce yourselves and tell us what the vision or the mission statement of your organization is and what you do there. All right. So, Jackie, thanks for having me. Um, The mission of Impact Oklahoma is to empower women to give a in a collective women's giving organization. And our vision is to grow, to um, increase philanthropy in Oklahoma and um, fund our five focus areas. So, yes. And what do you do? Oh, sorry. I am the board, I am the immediate past president of Impact Oklahoma. Okay. And what are the president's responsibilities there? Oh, gosh. (laughs) Skip that question. (laughs) Right. No, no, no. Um, I basically ran the board meetings and um, just kind of visited with the different committees and just keep things running. Okay. Try to try to assist membership and uh, increasing members and. Get your name out there in the public. So pretty much everything that I do. Indeed, <laughs> indeed. Yeah, it's a responsibility. Yes. Yeah. And then we have Leah. Leah. I'm uh, sorry. I always Lee, say Leah. Actually. <laughs> Lee? Lee. Oh, my God. I've been calling you Leah this whole time. Like I Princess Leah. <laughs> yeah. I'll take that. Hey, I will. I will totally take that. Yeah. So my name's Lee Morgan, and I'm the contract staff administrator for Impact Oklahoma. And my responsibilities are to keep all of the moving parts running and track all the membership and many coming in and out the door in a nutshell in a nutshell and we have taz who has recently joined the league of women voters yep (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. jackie you you made me the treasurer now of oklahoma county i'm super excited by the way thank you so it'll be a wonderful venture so uh, my name is Tazel Michael, pronounce he, him, his. I work for Oklahoma Policy Institute, specifically our outreach wing together, Oklahoma. We focus on a couple of different issues. We're a little bit everywhere, but we focus particularly on tax and budget and the economics that affect daily Oklahomans' lives. So at Together Oklahoma, we have four different bucket areas. Everybody knows criminal justice reform is one of the number one issues here in the state of Oklahoma. Um, Economic issues like wages, taxes, tax credits for working people, um, housing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Also, things like healthcare. We were instrumental in helping get Medicaid expansion across to hundreds of thousands of Oklahomans. And then lastly, I cover specifically strengthening democracy. So getting people up and out, participating with not just voting, but participatory government, civic education. What are we doing to get information out to people about what's happening inside of the building? So Yes, yes. And I greatly appreciate you for everything that you do. You are such a big help and such a 
perfect person oh, for dear. the role oh, no, <laughs> in Oklahoma um, Policy Institute. So um, I had come across or came across some statistics uh, yesterday or the day before yesterday, and they're not so well. Um, the first statistic that I saw said that 75% of fourth graders in Oklahoma are not at a reading proficient level. And I was like, yikes. <laughs> so um, the printout that I got here, um, it's from the Annie E. Casey Foundation. And um, I'm just going to go over just a few here, but it says the children in poverty in Oklahoma has increased 1% from 20% to 21% from 2019 to 2021. Children whose parents lack secure employment increased 4%. So it's 4% worse. It went from 26% to 30%. Um, children living in households with a high housing cost burden, that stayed the same at 25%, but that means that a fourth of the children in Oklahoma are living in a house with that where their parents cannot afford the rent, basically. And we all know that that is so very true. It's a very relevant problem here in Oklahoma. And then also teens not in school or not working, that went down 1%. Um, it's 1% worse. It went from 8% to 9%. Then as far as education goes, young children ages three and four not in school that also went 2% worse from 56% to 58%. The fourth graders not proficient in reading, that went 5% worse. It was 71% back in 2019, and now it is 76% as of 2022. The eighth graders not proficient in math. Big time jump. Yes. Horribly, it is 10% worse. It was 74%, which is horrible within itself. And now it is 84%. And then the high school students not graduating on time in Oklahoma has went 4% worse from 15% to 19%. So, and there's more statistics, but I'll leave that for another episode. So I had emailed the lovely people here and I asked them, uh, what do they think about talking about these statistics on the show? And Jennifer um, basically says that, you know, even though it's not the uh, impact Oklahoma's mission to focus directly on these statistics, they do kind of focus or align um, with many of the categories um, from Oklahoma Policy Institute and Impact Oklahoma. So I kind of want to take it from there and get like your opinion on these statistics and um, let the people know how Impact Oklahoma can help to hopefully in the, you know, we had this new term intersectionality, um, how Impact Oklahoma can intersection and help get some of these statistics lower, much, much lower, you know. Right. So, yes. Yeah, so, well, these statistics are a little bothersome, a little bit scary. Um, because this also tells that Oklahoma is worse than the, than the United States. Um, not just that we're getting worse in a lot of these areas, but in a, in a lot of the um, categories, we're worse compared to the rest of uh, the U.S. Um, but Impact Oklahoma, so we raise money and fund 
transformational um, projects Mm -hmm. for local nonprofits in five focus areas, which are family, health and wellness, education, culture, and community. So a lot, you know, we get 40 to 60 grant applications every year where local nonprofits are needing $100,000 to attack some of these issues. Mm -hmm. So, and we have funded um, over $4 million in grants since inception in 2005. Wow. Yes. So, I mean, I, there's definitely some specific nonprofits that I can think of that we've funded that are, you know, focused on combating, yeah, combating these, these different things. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if we want to talk about. Yeah, we definitely can. Um, So what, what is the process before we mention some of them? What is the process for um, applying and then being selected and how many do you select? Um. Great question. So the process um, is that in November, we hold like a grant um, education uh, workshop. And so any nonprofit who's interested in in submitting an application for the grant must attend that workshop so that they they can learn um, how the application process goes and everything. They submit a letter of intent, um, then they complete their application and submit it. we have our members volunteer in the uh, to sit on a focus area grant committee, okay. um, and so all of the all of the applications that we receive are like categorized into those five categories, and then our members read the grant applications, um, and then they narrow them down to uh, the top uh, three. And then they do site visits of those three organizations to learn more about the project. And then they finalize it. They select one who's going to present to our membership um, at the annual meeting. So um, we go from 50, say, down to uh, 15 and then down to five. And then depending on how many members we have is how many $100,000 grants we're able to give away and how many will be selected in the very end. So normally it's about five, though? Normally there's five people who are presenting um, to the membership uh, for the $100,000 grant. And then, like this last year, we had uh, 200 and, what was it, $227,000 uh, collected, a little bit more than that. Um, so we we ended up giving $200,000 grants away and then the rest of the monies were split between the three runner runners up. Oh, awesome, awesome, awesome. And then uh, how long is that process? Like you say, the, it I know, starts it made in it November. I it sound really long, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> when, did, when, does the, when do they get their money, honey? <laughs> in May. Nice. Oh, wow. That nice. night. <laughs> the night of the annual meeting, they, they walked away with $100,000 checks wow. in their pocket. Cool. So I definitely want to know who got them last year. So focus on home and uh, the Mary Abbott house. Okay. You wanted to, I don't know. I had no idea what either one of those are. Um, It's okay if you don't know. I'm just asking though. Do you know the specifics? I'm sure Lee 
Yes, the Mary Abbott Child Advocacy Center won one of the $100,000 grants for a program called ALERT, and it is to educate children and teens in 5th through 12th grades to keep themselves safe online by empowering them to take action when they encounter digital dangers, as well as to run a public awareness campaign and outreach around that program. Mm -hmm. So that was the, one of the $100,000 grants in the education um, focus area. The other one, Focus on Home, was in the family area. Focus on Home's goal is to provide a dignified home designed with a family's needs and interests in mind and provide a home where parents know their children are secure and they can grow together as a family. They wanted the money to buy a box truck and to secure more additional warehouse space. What Focus on Home does is is basically bring a home full of furniture and uh, dishes, everything you need to move into a home mm -hmm. and you're set up and ready to go. So I, I think that that definitely speaks to um, one of these, these well-being yeah. categories that yeah. Focus on Home is focused on to um, get people into homes and and be comfortable when you get there. Yeah, and make sure you have somewhere to sleep because that, that's definitely an issue too. I know people that they finally get the apartment and then they have no couch and they have no refrigerator. And yeah, they have no bed, they have no mattress or they might have a mattress, but it's not on a bed frame. So I'm so glad that that exists. Um, I would love to learn more about that nonprofit and see um, how we can get them on the show as well. We can arrange uh, that. that. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So for Oklahoma Policy Institute, I'm sure you were like cringe when I'm reading these statistics. <sighs> I don't know. I don't think so. I, I feel like because what we do every day is look at numbers like this mm -hmm. and probably be the aggregator and producer for some of these facts and figures. You know, we're so used to seeing stuff like this every day. I mean, yes, don't get me wrong. Sometimes I look at these and I'm just like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or it's, you know, it's just been a while since I've been really surprised by just any of the statistics only because I think here in Oklahoma, we have a lot of work to do. You know, per capita, we have the highest amount of nonprofits in the United States that focuses on public agency work. Um, I've actually got a couple of facts and figures from our weekly wonk for, um, earlier this mm -hmm. week that directly correlate to some of the things that we're talking about here. You know, the first statistic that you, we have on our sheet here that you brought up was children in poverty, 21%. You know, we've got the same thing here. Uh, you know, in 2021, um, that number was around uh, specifically for a dollar level for a family four. It's $27,479. I can't even imagine. Only $27,000. Median annual income for black families in Oklahoma with children under the age of 18 living in their household is $34,300, which is less than half of median white families here in Oklahoma. And 30% of those children have parents who lack secure employment in Oklahoma, which is crazy to think about. Like that is a really high recidivism rate when it comes to employment um, than anywhere else in the United States right now, or frankly, in any other countries. And so it's going to take a lot of investment from not just our nonprofit partners, but from state government partners to invest in working people in Oklahoma in particular. Um, I think because of the issues that we've seen with, you know, your dollars and cents have to be stretched out a lot more um, and people are taking on not just one, but two jobs, three even part-time jobs, 
You see a lot of people trying to start their own businesses right now and try and market their products, not just in Oklahoma markets, but uh, in markets across the nation. It's, you know, it's part of that entrepreneurial spirit that we like talking a lot about here in Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. but we also got to make sure that our workers are adequately supported as well. You know, when they are doing well, families are doing well, kids are doing well. And when kids are doing well, then you have a bright future for your state. Amen to that. Yeah. Whenever I hear about um, the employment um, statistics, I always think about the wage gap between women and men in Oklahoma. Um, I want to say we're like top 12, I want to say. That's off the top of my head. I don't have the numbers in front of me. But and then sometimes I hear people say like Oklahoma is such a great state for women to work in. And I'm like, I, you know, I just be quiet sometimes because I don't want to be negative. But in my head, I'm always thinking like, yeah, I don't think you know the real numbers behind that. So but you're absolutely right. Yeah. If women get better jobs and I say women because we have such a high incarceration rate that in Oklahoma, a lot of uh, children, they live with their mothers and their mothers only or they end up living with their grandmothers. But yeah, if we do a better job of um, having some type of employment security um, and lessening that wage gap, then, yeah, the future especially in the, I, I I also wonder how the math numbers correlate with um so if you've got mom at work all the time or you've got grandma at work all the time or you've got dad incarcerated they can't possibly be paying attention to the kid the uh, math lessons at school or making sure that the kids homework are, is getting done so I wonder how much of that intertwines with this statistic that we've got 84 percent of our eighth graders not proficient in math. That is just horrible, horrible, horrible. Can I comment on that? Yes. I think a lot of this also has to do with the direct results of an interruption in classrooms, Mm -hmm. right? We're still dealing with the effects of the pandemic and people think that, oh, well, just because we're back here in person, like things are going to be fixed overnight. It takes a long time to build something really well. It's, it's really easy to tear something down. And so it, these effects that we had from the pandemic in terms of education and economics together, it's going to take like decades long for us to really get everybody back onto the same track. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be need to be an investment uh, in in remediation and understanding that these colleges and universities are going to have to put more time into getting our kids back up um, to even just the basics. And that's okay. You know, it's, it's not a unique situation. This is something that we're facing all across the United States. Right. Right. Do you know how the recent, um, the recent bill that passed for education, um, I was following it for a while, but you know, I've kind of been out of the loop for like a month now. Um, but it was, what is it? The private families are getting a $7,500 tax credit now. And what are the private school? I'm sorry. What are the public schools getting? Some are receiving kind of like the, the same to just a little bit more amount. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's a lot of funding that is going directly, like we could be using that same, you know, that voucher base to go directly into public schools and whatnot. It's, it's not actually the students who are more so in the urban corridor that are going to be facing the repercussions of that. It's a lot of students in the rural corridor where we could be investing a lot more into students who are, I don't know, in, in Wewoka or Weatherford or Altus who need those funds more than I'd say a private institution located here in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Um, so, yeah, 
Uh, we are kind of towards the end here, but I did want to know um, from each of you um, the programs that Impact Oklahoma and Oklahoma Policy Institute currently have going and why each of you are involved in advocacy. So I'll jump in and say like programs that Impact Oklahoma has going right now. I felt like this was a good opportunity for Impact Oklahoma to get our name out there for every nonprofit that is listening to become interested in making an application or at least finding out more information about the grants that we have available, um, which will be awarded in the next year. We're just at the beginning of that process. So to me, that was an important reason to advocate for change in in what's going on in Oklahoma to try to help in some way to make transformational change at yeah. a nonprofit program level. And um, if they want that, to apply, where what is the website that they go to? Our our website is impactok.org. And so we'll have um, the the grant timeline is Unfortunately, not updated yet for the current year, but it's basically the same. We'll have that training workshop that Jennifer mentioned in November. So there's plenty of, of um, time to um, get to know us as far as what the process look lo looks like and ask questions before anything. Um, the grant applications aren't due until basically the end of December. So there's okay. time to go into that. And we do have, um, as Jennifer mentioned, membership um, events coming up. Yeah, we've got several things planned um, that nonprofits um, members and potential members are welcome to attend. Um, we have something in September and something in November confirmed, and we're hoping to pull something off in August as well. Um, but if people can follow our social media, like our Instagram and Facebook accounts, um, that's probably the easiest way and most timely way to find out about those events. Is it simply at Impact Oklahoma or at Impact OK? Impact OK. Yeah, Impact OK. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And uh, if you'll give me those events, I'll post them on our calendar as well at the League. Perfect. So and what about you, Taz? So over at OK Policy, we are launching our community listening sessions statewide. Um, beneficiaries of the program will receive a $50 stipend to basically tell us what you think are the biggest problems in the state of Oklahoma. We want to know what's impacting you. We want to know not just from any one particular group of people. We don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican and independent, libertarian, whatever. We don't care if you're wealthy or poor. We want to make sure that we have a really uh, diverse set and mix that reflects the people of the state of Oklahoma. Um, that's how we pull from our target areas of what Oklahomans care about. Um, and that's how we use that feedback. Um, to make data and legislation to advocate for around that. We're starting our first round here in Altus, but since we're in Oklahoma County, I'll talk about our OKC Metro events. In August 8th at the Bell Isle Library from 6 to 7.30 p.m., mm -hmm. you can join us there for the first session. And for the other one in Norman, it'll take place on August 22nd at Norman Public Library Central. We'll have food and beverages as well for those of y'all who need something to eat while you want to contribute. Um, and I, as well as other analysts from OK Policy, as well as our nonprofit partners, will all be there um, investing in you to make sure that we can hear from you. Love to see what we can do to partner with y'all as well. Mm -hmm. And I did sign up. So I'll be at Bell Isle. Y'all come meet us at Bell Isle in August. Uh, we also have, Taz and I are going to do like a breakfast. What did we say that was called? Pancake. Pound cake and politics. Yeah, pound cake and politics over on the east side at Spike's Coffee or Spike's. 
spiked coffee. coffee. Yeah. Um, that will be um, optional, the Saturday before the Bell Isle event. And so hopefully um, I'm just wanting to gather information from people and see how I can speak on behalf of those who cannot make it to the library uh, to Bell Isle. Uh, that to, Is it Thursday or Tuesday? Tuesday. Tuesday. So, um, yeah. And so going out, my last question for you guys is, do you vote? I don't vote shame people, but if you do, why do you vote? And if you don't, why don't you vote? And then how do you feel like voting um, affects your community? It's like an all or nothing question. I do vote. I will say, don't pull my voter record or anything. I haven't voted in every single thing, but yes, of course, I'm not always the most organized or timely person. But yes, when I, I try to make an effort to vote um, in everything. So, and why is because I want my voice, I want people to know, I want my voice heard. Um, That's right. That's right. Lee? Yes, I vote. Um, I do try to vote in every single one because I feel like it, it's more fun to have that 100% voting <laughs> record than, than the Oh, you know, in the alternative. Um, and, and who else gets to choose the the Oklahoma City Council, you know, by 2,000 votes in a metro of a million people? I, I know it's probably less than that. But yes, I vote and it's very important. And I think that's how um, to, if we change the um, quantity of people going to vote, I think we make change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. So I'm like a plot twist. I don't vote. I do, I do, I don't, but it's mostly because I'm not a U.S. citizen yet, uh, 2026, but, you know, for Jackie, you've known me, you've seen me running around working on different political campaigns and stuff like that. Um, If I can't vote, I get other people to vote for me, with me, whatever I can do to just get it out. I don't care who you're voting for, you just need to go to vote. Um, We have some of the lowest turnout in the entire United States, and so it is incumbent upon us that we help other people just get excited about voting in the first place. Um, your city council elections here in Oklahoma, uh, you know, they're oddly placed because it's like always in an odd year right after. Mm-hmm. Um, but those elections are only decided by a handful, like a few thousand people when they in reality represent close to around 50 to 60,000 people each council. So your vote matters. It goes a long way here in the state of Oklahoma. So if Jackie tells you to vote, you go vote. <laughs> I will say that my history of voting is absolutely horrible (laughs) until I started working at the league and working with the league. Before that, I could care less about voting. But now I feel like my answer would be, um, especially for judicial elections um, and especially in the black community, we do so much complaining about judges being unfair and this, that and the other. But then when it comes time to elect the judges that are being unfair, this, that and the other, we don't actually show up. So if you don't want the judge being unfair, this, that and the other, then go vote for who you want to be fair. And that is the end of this episode. Thank you for listening. Bye. Thanks, Jackie. Tushalicious Talk is part of the Breaking Ice, Building Bridges community podcast platform brought to you by Possibilities, Inc.